What uh, what to use the biggest question going into the second half? Are they going to get Are they going to get the help that they need? Um, I mean, I, I said it. I think probably when we were doing this down at spring, like this is to me is the season of the front office. Um, they've got the pieces, if healthy, to be a team that could be good if they get the right moves they could be better than that and i think it's time for them to be better than good hello everybody and welcome to the best podcast in baseball brought to you by closet by design of st louis i'm st louis post dispatch baseball writer Derek gould joined this week once again for a special mid-season edition of the best podcast in baseball by st louis post dispatch sports columnist ben frederickson we are at bush stadium having just seen the extremes of the cardinals season we saw a game where they stretched their roster to its brink to become better than the team they probably are and beat the best team in the National League and then got whiplash the next night as they misplaced a six-run lead to lose because of what they're missing again pitching depth and economical starting pitching and all the things that have caught up to them in this schedule Ben, how do you reconcile these two games? We'll start big. I was going to sing, hey, now you're an all-star. I thought, this was, <laughs> I thought I was, like, being named to the all-star team. Yeah. No, you are. You are You part of the BPIB all-star. <laughs> I had a lot of guests. The fans voted you on. Thanks. You know, uh, the commissioner selection was last week when uh, Bernie Miklas came on for the 10th episode. That was the, the legacy. The yeah, the legends. The legends. Yeah, so that was the commissioner's office pick, the legacy pick. You're the fan choice. Congrats. I started hot, and then I faded, and I Tommy Edmond to where I was like a lock, and then I, now I'm not going to the All-Star game. But you're going to the All-Star game, you and Kamish. Yeah, I'm more like the manager that goes, you know, the one that, like, by rule has. That's more me. And, and you know, Hummel goes as a guest of baseball just in general, you know, the, the commissioner of baseball. Well, yeah, well. Albert Pujols is going as the guest of Rob Manfred, and Rick Hummel is going as the guest of baseball. Right, correct. Capital B yeah. and lowercase baseball. You know, do you think Do you think when Rick and Albert first met, they would have figured they would both be <laughs> attending the 2022 All-Star oh Game? God, you're right. <laughs> That's such a great point. Back in spring training 2001. When, ask him about that. When, when they're writing the note about Bobby Bonilla's injury, John Mabry, will he make the team, will he not? Hey, this young kid really is looking good. And, and the story about how he you know, barely... You know he, he he can't be ignored, and Mark McGuire's um, punching Tony in the back, right? Which which Albert told that story in Atlanta, where he was like, "Yeah, uh, Mark said he, that he punched him right in the rib." <laughs> that, that Tony has never forgotten the pain of like pools. You got to make this. You got to put this kid on the roster. Um, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, how about that? Maybe that's what happens when Tony keeps intentionally walking those guys very randomly. He's getting like a wince from the old rib punch, and there's the umpire's <laughs> yeah, like, "Oh, yeah. he did it again! He take your base!" Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah this is off off the deals. Okay, um, how do I square it? It was the most probably exciting Cardinals win of the season, followed by the most depressing Cardinals loss of the season. Depressing or like, oh my gosh, totally predictable. I don't know, man. 6-0. I mean, I know the Dodgers are very good, but you're up by a touchdown. You'd think maybe you could squeak that one out. But, um, again, the, the fact that one could be followed directly by the next, kind of predictable for this team. And I think that's kind of where your Cardinals are at the 
I'd say the halfway point, but it's really not. They, how many games do they play after the All-Star break? They have played 87 games roughly in 72 days, it feels like. Correct? Does, that, does my math check out there? I know that was 17 straight. I'm just kidding. It's 17 straight. I think you've covered 20 straight somehow. <laughs> I don't know how the math – you kind of went to the upside down for a while. but uh, Time change. Yeah. It was the time change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, they'll, they'll have played – they'll have, you know – I mean, they'll have more off days. and the, They've played more games in fewer days than any team in baseball. Part of that is because they lopped off the first week of the season. Part of that is because of the doubleheaders, because of rainouts early on there. You know, I mean, you think way back – you know, before Kansas City ever had to think about going to Toronto, um, when the Cardinals, when Tor- when Kansas City came, only sixty percent of Kansas City this is really thinking about going to right. Toronto. No, you're right, you're right. But back when they could have solved the problem, when they were in St. Louis and they could have solved their roster, um, I guess del- I don't even bind seventeen games in seventeen consecutive days. And Gio- Giovanni Gallegos is pitching a lot of those, which makes it feel like a seventeen. 17 days each game <laughs> so it's adding up is the point yeah this is what it, i want to but they've they will have played more game and look at even this series they played more games than the dodgers when the dodgers came here the, the cardinals close out with 17 they had a stretch where it was uh 32 and 32 days because of double headers so they played a lot of baseball they have more off days in the second half um but it's it's all catching up to them because this stretch of 17 games in 17 days also comes at a time when Harrison Bader is not available and Tyler O'Neill has not been available and Steven Matz has been on a rehab assignment and so has Drew Verhagen been on a rehab assignment and you know you got and Jordan Hanks for a while was on a rehab as I mean you, you have these guys Yadier Molina's not been here he's been not yet on a rehab assignment though he will be in that last week of July so their roster has been tested by injury and the schedule and they knew the schedule was coming and you could also argue that they knew the lack of depth in the roster was coming and they didn't add to the pitching then either um it, it seems like it's been a lot of games in a lot of days, but it does seem like that it's the same year spinning out here. Um, not as disastrous as last June, but sort of the trace elements of the lack of pitching catching up to them. It's very similar to last year. I think the difference is the younger players they have thrown into the fire as stop gaps have been better. Yes, and that's been clear. Um, so, but other than that, it's 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 very similar. Um, and I think right now we're seeing a team that is is really it's, a lot of these guys are tired, um, which really like I've noticed offends fans when you say like the team is tired when they're like, well, it's baseball, it should be fun, you shouldn't be tired. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like I cut my grass in this heat, and I feel like I'm about to die. Like they're playing a lot of games, and and, and, and they're they love what they do. They're paid a lot of money. But if you don't think Tommy Edmonds tired after playing in more games than just about anybody else in baseball, making more starts than anybody on this team. More middle infield innings than anybody has. When the whole, one of the big talking points of the season was like, got to find him some more rest. And then Paul DeYoung crashes and it's like, okay, forget that. Edmund, you play, <laughs> you play all the time. You just play every day, everywhere and do everything. And you hit lead off and you, and you change positions and you drive the bus and then you wash the jerseys and clean. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's tired. And some of these guys are worn out. Like Giovanni Gallegos is spent. And part of it's on him because he keeps telling the team he can do it. He can pitch more. And they're like, well, we don't have a better option, so go out there. And even though in a perfect world they would be maybe giving him some more rest, these guys are, are going through it. So 
in some ways they look like a team that 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 needs a a break and they look like a team that should be better with a little bit more rest and a little easier schedule in the second half and some more guys coming back healthy but also i don't think it can be ignored that you know this grind the way it's ended has put them up against some pretty good teams and they've not looked like an elite team Mm -hmm. they've looked to me like a team that is capable of getting into the postseason in the expanded postseason and looks like one that's not going to get far when they get there. Or that has to have a lot happen on the health front and the good fortune front to defy those odds. They don't look like a team that's ready to to burn it down in the playoffs. Yeah, to me, to beat the Dodgers that one night, they had to wring the roster dry. Like That just seemed like that. it was like, okay, every ounce that you can twist from this roster is necessary to win a game that was started by Jordan Hicks, had Matthew Libertor in the middle. And I'm not, I don't mean just like roster. I mean like, you know, the the 40-man roster. I mean, they just kind of wrung it till it got them a one-run lead, and then they paid the consequences of it the next day when Adam Wainwright wasn't efficient enough, couldn't go deep into the game, and they had to call on a bullpen that did not have much left. We're, we're in a bit of a high-traffic zone, but that's okay. It's ambient noise. The the Dodgers were like, all right, let's do it again. Yeah. And nope. We they just, just don't they stop. Just, they just blinked it off, and, and we're ready – and, and ready to do it's it. It's the hard nine, man. That's like what the Cardinals use. Like it's the, the Dodgers are to the Cardinals in this series what the Cardinals are to the Washington Nationals a generation ago where it, they just didn't stop. And the, the Nationals are like, wait a minute, we had this game. What are you guys doing? They just don't stop. Yeah, you don't see it's rare, and the Cardinals have been like a team like this in the past where you don't see a team that just looks completely fine being down by six runs. Yeah, And they're like, okay, that's fine. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll jump you when you're when when Adam Wainwright is done, and we know he's going to be done because he's got, you know, 120 pitches. Because we're making a point, to, right. yeah. Because and, we're run, we know that he's the most effective guy out there. Right. So how do we get him out of here quickly? Yep, and they and they and it worked, and that's why they're one of the best. And also point out, the Dodgers have been crushed by injuries too. Mm-hmm. Some of their best guys aren't available. That's what the the cream of the crop looks like. Um, I think you saw it, you know, in in Atlanta. Now Atlanta's playing really well, but you know you're seeing during the stretch the Phillies, the Cardinals did a good job of clawing back a um, you know a split in that four game series. But these are teams that are playoff teams, and the Cardinals have to stop doing this thing where they talk about playoff caliber pitching as if it's something that they're not going to see in the playoffs. I'm so mm. exhausted of hearing, well, those are really good arms, and yeah, they are really good arms, and. Point to me the teams that have really bad arms or average arms in the playoffs. They're not there very long, and they're going to make sure you see them at the very end of a series or the little amount possible. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. gonna, you're only going to see them if a game goes lopsided or you know they're they're basically down to their last men. They're going to make sure their best arms are prioritized at the front of, of the series. This idea of like, well, you know, you know, those are just good arms. The playoff teams have those. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cardinals have some, but. They can't stack up against some of the pitching depth that, that they've seen. So that's what I mean where I can see where the Cardinals can say, hey, we're going to get healthier and we're going to be better. And I think they will be. But how much better are they going to be? Um, that's going to you know lead into what can they do at, at the deadline. But they've not once looked like a team that is that is you know going to fall apart. But they've never once looked at a team that's going to – you know, turn October on its head. Um, you know, what's the most they've won? Four games in a row? Yeah. Um, they had a chance to, to make that three here. No, they had a chance to make that four here against the Dodgers and, and weren't able to do it. Obviously a tough opponent, but 
you know, they're they can say health, and that's fair. But even if fully healthy, which they're never going to be because no team ever is, especially this season, mm-hmm. they're they're missing something. Um, and and I think they they're searching for that. And part of the reason they haven't found it is because it feels like they're constantly trying to get the pitching set up to where it's it's like where do you want to be weakest? Okay, well, you know, put put a guy in the rotation, take him from the bullpen, and well, then the bullpen is worse. And then you finally get the bullpen kind of stocked up. And these guys, these free agent guys who have not been producing, they have to wedge them back in to give them another shot, even though you don't have to. Got to give them another shot and send out promising arms. And then the bullpen right. looks – and it's just like they just have not had a full pitching staff, rotation, and bullpen. And, you know, the offense – I don't have a grade for the offense because, to me, nothing this offense does matters until it does something in the playoffs. I mean, if, if the, this offense is now a pass-fail test for me – in the playoffs, um, and I think that's what it—that's what it comes down to. If they would not have beaten the Braves in the you know 19 NLDS and gotten the you know the right to go to the NLCS against the Nationals and just get crushed, this offense would be under hellfire for its lack of postseason production, where teams are really good at pitching and they have really good scouting and a lot of time to attack your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. This is the year that that appearance in the NLCS, and that's if you can call it that, it, it that that stops carrying so much weight. So yeah. whatever the offense does, great, great, not whatever, do it in the playoffs or, or or enough. So it's ornamental, like regular season performance by the offense is ornamental enough to like get Paul Goldschmidt maybe an MVP. But I mean, it's do a, it in October. It make any, their offense makes no sense. I mean, they've got an yeah. MB, Paul Goldschmidt's hitting like an MB, MVP. Probably deserves to win it. Nolan Arenado's playing well. Those guys are great, and they've got some awesome performances from rookies. Now the bottom of the lineup is doing great things. So there's some encouraging things. But then you like look for the same numbers that they've told us are these really good numbers. Like when the offense stunk, they were telling us, "Look at these numbers. This is why it's getting better." And it was mm-hmm. hard. Hard hit rate, and exit velocity, and barrel percentage, and you look at those numbers now, and they're all trash for this team. Like they're all bad numbers. So I don't, I don't. Maybe you can make sense of that. I don't know how to make sense of that. I know that they're really good against left-handed pitching, and they're okay against right-handed pitching. This and I team, think that's this offense. I think it gets super hot, and we've also seen it enough times to know that it's in them to just seize up like an engine without any oil, and basically have to tank out in order for something to break and get them back on track. It's a lack of extra base hits. That's what this team lacks. I mean. They, they're they're I mean whatever you want to go with the metrics like you talk about okay so they hit a lot of fly balls that aren't exactly hit hard whether they're pop ups or live they hit a lot of high percentage outs in the air and those don't fall for extra base hits now they get singles through they don't strike out a lot so they have a lot of contact oriented they do pretty well when it comes to strikeouts and they're really good when it comes to base running so that base running kind of sweetens all those singles into some semblance of extra base hits, but not when Harrison Bader isn't stealing bases, not when Tommy Edmond isn't on base. You know, the, some of their best base runners have been either absent or in a rather, you know, significant kind of funk here can't for on, a while. Can't run base as well if you don't get on. Right. So they they lack extra base hits, and then they go up against hitters who don't give up series of hits or walks. And if you don't give up series of hits or walks, then this offense kind of comes to a standstill until it waits for an extra base hit. A la Albert Pujols delivering a home run. A la Nolan Gorman delivering a home run. A la Corey Dickerson coming back from the IL and going on. What did he do? 
a little bit of a spree with some extra base hits. Um, you know, I looked up like all of the rallies that the Cardinals had, and this isn't any like great science. I didn't unearth some great secret, but you know, eighty. What, what, what was that? It's 85% or more of their single inning rallies that are three runs or more involve a single extra base hit or multiple, but at least one extra base hit. You know, I mean, it's it's two thirds of their rallies total have some kind of extra. That's how the game is played now. It's not stringing three singles together and fantastic base running. Way to go, guys. Bully. You know, it's not huzzah, huzzah. Yeah, it's not doing that. It's 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 damage because you're not gonna because against the best pitchers and against the best playoff teams, you're just not gonna string the number of hits together. The probabilities is profoundly difficult to go up and get three consecutive singles against a guy like Strider from Atlanta or uh, you know Morton or a what anybody i mean corbin burns yeah um kershaw pitching well by the way yeah scherzer it's crazy how this guy is good it's wild if only who could have thought i don't know damn if only only you would have wanted to pitch here yeah what's his tie to st louis (laughs) he wanted to be here man he was out of their budget well so that that's a good question um, or that brings us to a good topic. So, are the Cardinals at full strength? Let me let me get to the question with a quick aside. This schedule um, was rigorous and difficult. I asked Adam Wainwright about that, and he said that it helped reveal some of the young players that could help make them a better team. That if it's not for that schedule and sort of the grind that it imposed on them, then maybe they don't get to see Brendan Donovan do what he does. Then maybe they don't get to see Zach Thompson get thrust onto the 40-man roster and see what he does at this level. Um, Palante as a starter is part of this. So he said it, it gave young guys innings that they might not have had to show that they belong as part of a better team. I thought that was a really interesting point, which then brings me back to the question I was going to ask. If the Cardinals are take advantage of what they've learned about some of these young guys and who fits where and they get full health how much better are they uh, aren't they still a second place team are they are they a division leading team you know i, I don't know like if they're at full strength full health aren't we still talking about the same pitching depth issue well i think you're part of that hesitancy is you're you're not sure what you're going to get out of the guys who are coming back. Okay. Right? I yeah. mean, the, the Mets felt great about what they did without Scherzer because they knew what was coming back. Mm. Um, you, weren't, you weren't sure if Max Scherzer was going to be able to come back healthy, but you knew what he was going to do if he was. Yeah. Do you feel that way about Steven Matz? Um, maybe. Um, maybe not. I mean, he's been up and down. He was up and down during his time with the Mets, who was good in Toronto last year, but that question mark is not – Max Scherzer coming back, and I'm not – I'll get off Scherzer after this, but my point, I think, hope it makes sense, is that's an exclamation point return. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals have some question mark returns. Well, Tyler O'Neill needs to be an exclamation he point return. He, and it, but but he's also, you know, had a hard time staying out there, and there for a lot of the season he looked not like the Tyler O'Neill we saw last yeah. season. Now, the second time he came back, he looked like yeah. the Tyler O'Neill who was making people clamor, you know, all off season for a long term extension. 
And, you know, that's if he can be that guy, this offense maybe jumps that, you know, jumps that, that kind of hurdle. Mm-hmm. And if Tyler O'Neill is back and doing what he did last year, this offense could be pretty good. I mean, it looks a lot different with his extra base hits. That's where it's missing. And you, that puts, you know, then you start to think about what Adam told you, some of those guys who could factor into this thing. Not as guys they have to lean on. Like, if you're going into the second half leaning on Brendan Donovan and Juan Yepes, like, those guys are going to experience what every young guy experiences in this first major league season. Mm-hmm. You can't ask the world of those guys, but you can ask something of them. Yeah. And if you got, you know, instead of Juan Yepes showing up at the wild card series and he's never the wild card game and he's never had a major league at bat, mm-hmm. now you put him in that game. Yeah, and and Brendan Donovan can impact that, and you think about some of the young some of the young pitchers. So that's how it could look. But I think that there's 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 hesitancy because you just with some of these guys that are coming back, you're not sure if they're going to be better than what the guys who were holding those spots were. Mm-hmm. Matt's probably if he's healthy, and he doesn't have to save the world. He just has to give you reliable innings and a chance to win. Maybe he can give you more than that. I mean, his strikeout rate was the highest on the staff when mm-hmm. he got hurt, so there's upside there. Um, but you know, Verhagen, McFarland, they weren't pitching well before they were injured. Um, you know, Tyler O'Neill is huge. Bader, I think, is probably one that we we don't talk about enough. I think they miss him for a lot of different reasons. Speed, flair, um, just the ability to make guys laugh or mm-hmm. to just say, "Hey, we're in a funk. Let me go do something. I'll go steal a base. I'll I'll go I'll go make a catch and go crazy." Um, he has been at times the guy who I think can kind of. I talked about them seizing up. He's kind of sometimes he, sometimes he's the guy who springs the lock. Yeah, um, I think that reflects in his record uh, of the team when he plays. So they're missing a component there. So you can make the case that 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 could work. It just isn't as convincing as one if they were more proven rock star guys who were returning. But I think also too, it should that it doesn't have to be either or. They can get better by the guys they have coming back, and they can also improve this team from the outside and I think that to me is what's going to get lost this year and it's it's crazy because this is a year not for the Cardinals to go bonkers crazy and and kill the future and try to try to win the trade deadline but this is the year for them to make moves that help this team and it's the fascinating thing is that they should have some pretty specific needs they should have the ability to get some of those needs not by not by trading all of their young, talented players, but also like on the line here is also their ability to diagnose what they need and predict the right guys who can fill it. Mm. Because part of the reason they're in this spot where they've got some needs is because they blew it in free agency this last round. Yeah. And the free agency conversation that can go on and on, but Albert Pujols has been their as right now has been their best performing free agent addition, and he was their cheapest, and he's already made all that money back. Matt maybe gets there. And he's got four years, so he's got more time. But Dickerson, he's flourished here with his back very firmly into the corner. He had not been well. Their relievers hadn't been good. They, they, the guys that they hope to add as kind of supplemental pieces entering the season have been outperformed by guys who were not even supposed to be in this picture yet. Two things are coming to a head here with the trade deadline, which is August 2nd. And one of them is that John Mozeliak and the baseball operations staff has 
historically had success remaking the bullpen, even with minor moves. I mean, you think about obviously the most famous is rewriting the bullpen a little bit and freeing up center field for 2011, which then gave that bullpen the pieces to go bullpenning in October and be a part of that September run. That was huge. Um, but like lesser moves such as Edward Mojica, for example, uh, you know, they, that team desperately needed somebody in the seventh inning. Mojica came in, brought stability to the seventh inning. That team took off, and then he was an all-star closer later. Um, you know, they, they've done well reshaping the bullpen on the go, whether it, those are internal moves or external moves like I described. Where they have not done well, and this is the other part that's coming to a head, is you know really addressing a starting pitching need. And everybody listen to this is going to go, whoa, 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 especially if like it's one of the Cardinals officials listening to it. They'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I mean, Lester and Hap I mean, and LeBlanc. And it's like, okay, well, okay, fine, those worked out. But when you made those moves... They were advertised as to get by. What they did for you was far more than that. What Lester gave them, in part because of his work with Maddox and because of his work with Wainwright, and that's fine to bank on that. That's fine to bank on it. Fine. But when you acquire guys to get by and then you go on a 17-game winning streak, that's not like a, a... roster shaping roster altering those aren't moves made that change you for october those are moves that get you into the dance which is fine you got to get there but they don't change you for october um this they they had lackey a few years ago that was a good move but that was on part a good move because of what it meant for the next year too and what it brought to that team um but they have not had either the willingness to pay the price of a high-end rotation-changing starter, or they've just made the move and crossed their fingers and hope. And these two things are coming together. They need to reshape the bullpen, and we'll see how gutsy they are with moves, like you said, like Verhagen has not worked out. McFarland has struggled. How gutsy are they with moving? How urgent are they to move on from those guys to guys that they have seen work out? Because if you get a starter, then you move that that starter into Palante's spot, Palante and Verhagen's role would be pretty good. You've seen that already, right? Zach Thompson and, and TJ McFarlane's role, you've already seen that already. So don't need it, to wait on that. Well, you don't need to push Zach Thompson into a starter role or Palante into a starter role because you know what that bullpen would look like with those guys in it. And like young, fire-breathing dragon bullpen – would be pretty good based on what the Cardinals have seen so far. Pretty resilient, pretty available, pretty, you know, good to chase down leads, pretty good to hold leads if if what they've seen so far continues. So how do you get that? Well, you change a starter and you have, I guess, what we would call what, trickle Trickle up? Trickle down. Okay, some downstream relief, right? Yes. But to... They've done well to remake the bullpen. They have not been all that aggressive when it comes to remaking the or to adding to the rotation. Is this your case for Madison Bumgarner? No, that's your case for Madison Bumgarner. That's my pitch. 
Uh, is he that guy? I, 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 I mean, just, there's a couple guys out there that, like, you're just going to have to pay a premium price. And I'm not talking about Frankie Montas. And I'm also not talking about, like, only sorting them by strikeout rate and saying these are the only guys that can help. I get why you do that. But you sort them by, sort them by strikeout rate, but also sort, sort them by innings. Right. Like, find some quality start artists who are going to come in here and give you seven innings. Because you know what? Like you said, Matt's coming back doesn't have to save the team. Well, he does this week. <laughs> yeah. You know, because... Because he can't be the five-inning Steven Matz when they get to Sunday and all of a sudden they don't have anybody left, even on the brink of a break, and they need six innings from him. That's fine. Like, if Dakota Hudson is a quality start monster this season and Adam Wainwright is Adam Wainwright and Miles Michaelis is doing what he's done, then you'd only need five from Steven Matz. But you know what? This team needs a little bit more from Steven Matz. Unless they go and get a guy who is a quality start monster. Well, we need both because they, Mats might come back and be a quality start guy, and then something could happen to somebody else. I mean, Dakota Hudson could could go off the rails again. So that's they've left themselves too much uncertainty. Um, and I don't. To me, it's like I, I. And this is maybe this is I'm just become brainwashed by previous past five six trade deadlines. But yeah. like the idea of them. You just have a sense, and maybe this is a great smoke screen that you have a sense of which guys are maybe off limits for them. Mm-hmm. And it's like every one of the seven guys who were just named in Baseball America's top yeah, 100. Yeah, they got seven guys. <laughs> but, but one of them, I mean, one or two of them can't be. Because, you know what, we've already I, Well, some of them, a couple you, of them are helping this team in some way. Exactly. So they're off limits. And a couple of them are the future of this team. Right, so they're off limits. But there but are. A couple of them are, are redundant to correct. what they already have. Yes. Um, you only, can only have so many third basemen, and you can also. There's also, I think. What do I know? Except, I think there are guys on this team who are kind of blocked or repetitive, who are would be compelling to other teams. I just go back to last season where, like, I was like Lane Thomas's biggest uh, fan. Shout out Knoxville. But look, they they flipped Lane Thomas for Lester. Like we, and Lester turned out into pretty good. But like, there are deals to be had that are not. Yeah, exactly. Your top, and I think the Cardinals have just gotten into this habit where they've convinced so many people. Well, the prices are high at the deadline, and you, you know, I'm sorry, but trading for someone who can help this rotation is not going to cost Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker and you know their their fourth grandchildren. It's just not like there are deals that are made that make sense. And they happen all the time. And and the Cardinals, to me, that's what you've got to find. The other thing, and I say this, it's easy for me to spend their money, but if you don't want to give up the prospects, first of all, sign more talented pitchers in free agency. But past that point, that's that's here and gone. We'll talk about that at spring training. (laughs) Take on money, for God's sake. If you don't want to give up the prospects, take on the contracts. Find somebody that there's so many teams now that, A, don't care about winning, B, are, are retooling. Um, see, haven't gotten the crowds they wanted because of the pandemic, um, and they're looking to offload money. The Cardinals' best deals, not at the deadline, but in the offseason, have come lately because teams were not wanting to pay. The Colorado Rockies were were worried about you know the Nolan Arenado heft of the contract, and they even gave money to give it away. The Arizona Diamondbacks were not wanting to continue to pay Paul Goldschmidt. Great, we'll take him. Here are some a handful of prospects that the Cardinals will. Liked him as people, but they're never going to miss. And now Goldschmidt's, you know, Benjamin Button of baseball. So those make one of those deals at the deadline. Take on a contract where, you, do you like it? No, but you're not taking on the money. You're protecting your prospects and also getting someone who can help. That's why I like the Bumgarner idea because to me, 
Madison Bumgarner right now is similar in some ways to the additions that worked last season, Lester, um, LeBlanc, but he's, I think he's got more upside. And maybe that's just me being like, hey, man, that's still Madison freaking Bumgarner. And maybe, maybe, he's, maybe he's toast. Maybe he can't go eight innings anymore. Maybe he gets to the playoffs for the first time since since what is it, you know, sixteen and he's and he's not that guy. But to me, he's already giving Arizona a chance to win when he pitches. Mm-hmm. And he's got this contract that no one's given up top prospects for that contract. He's right. owed he's owed a big chunk of money next season where the Cardinals could still use Madison Baumgartner next season. Yeah. And he's and he's owed some money. When Wainwright's Atlanta. pitching for Atlanta, you mean? Oh, that's my that's hey, don't take that. I just my conspiracy theory. Okay, just offering up. I, I was just like setting you up. No, to but, dunk. But you talked about like how much did Lester benefit from hanging out with Adam Wainwright talking Huge. pitching? You tell me that Madison Bumgarner wouldn't get a little sizzle back if he was in if he was pitching for a team that had a chance. Maybe he doesn't want to leave Arizona. Like maybe he's just done. Maybe maybe he's like, dude, I've been there, done that. I don't. I just want to. I just want to hang out with my ranch and like. Pitch for a team that sucks and bull ride under an like, on an, uh, under a under a pen name. Yeah, I mean, that's get it. <laughs> See what I did there? Yes. Um, bull ride under a pen name. Maybe he doesn't want to be mistaken for Adam Wainwright everywhere around. Get it? Yes. <laughs> so that's my theory. But like, I think your point, if I'm interpreting correctly, is like there's more talented pitchers now. Than that guy, he was just more of like a name. Oh, okay, maybe that's like that's guys the first who can part. give you more now. Can I make my second sure. part? That is my first part. The second part is you have Cardinals more prospects that are appealing now than you have since Zach Gallen and Sandy Alcantara. And I know that that deal stings, mm. but they were willing to make it then because they felt they had this urgent need for a cleanup hitter and they had a chance to get a guy who all the metrics loved and was big on the MVP ballots had uh, had was coming off a very strong season and they thought this was the guy this was the they had three guys obviously that they were looking at but they were willing to pay that price for Azuna cuz they thought okay is he our first choice of that trio no but is he a difference maker a cleanup in this lineup and how urgent is that need and i'm not sure that we've ever seen them apply that same urgency to getting a frontline starter but if you want to, it's finally, maybe finally time. Don't wait for Jack Flaherty to be that guy because he's not now coming back till late August. He's a, he's the he's in the Reyes spot, and I knock on wood. I hope Jack recovers, and and I yeah. wish him the best. But you can't count on him this season anymore. Right. I mean, you hope that he comes back, and and that doesn't. I don't mean that as a slight on him, but you can't put yourself in a spot where you're relying on anything from Jack. You have to just hope that he's an X-factor. So you have prospects now. Tink Hens is getting a lot of attention. You got Gordon Graceffo, who during he before be before spring, he should be in the bullpen. Yeah, <laughs> he's helping this team. I mean, he's yeah. going to help this team. He's going to. He needs to contribute. Yeah, 115, I think. I yeah. checked last. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but you have guys like that who weren't on the radar or like only like. I mean, scouts knew them, but they were like, let's see what they become. I mean, Mason Wynn has become a top flight. Mason Wynn has gone from a guy that you're like, huh, I wonder if they trade him because he can do a lot of different things, to you got to hold on to him. This this is your, your shortstop, and that's somebody you, has, you haven't really developed. 
but they have had other guys who have emerged from some you know thickets of problems in the minor leagues to pitch well to play well Alec Burleson if he's not here in the majors now then does he and I'm not like I don't want to overstate this right but if he can't help you if he can't help you this year can he help you get someone who will help you this year and will you have the urgency to do that because it's exactly the same as the the Zuna trade because it was it's Sandy Alcantara. If he can't help you this year, then can he help you get someone to help you? If he's not in your plans next year, he's ready for the majors. He's performing well and he's under control. If he can't help you, but you see this glaring hole elsewhere, can you move him to fill that hole? Is Alec Burleson that guy? He's a great example because if he is someone who can help you, then trade Lars Newbar. Pick one. That's my like. That's what I mean. Way by, different guys, but, but they're still outfielders who they like their bats. So sure, okay. Are large, you know what I'm saying? Like, who do you want more? I stand by the fact that, and I'm not saying it's right. I'm not comparing them as players. Gotcha. I'm saying I'm comparing them as like, are they going to be starting in the same outfield for this team? Right. If they can't help you now, sure. when you've had who opening, you, who do you? Who are you betting on? Yeah. Trade the other one. Yeah. Because both could be appealing to the right team. Is in different ways. Is the only route for the Cardinals to answer multiple is the is the most direct route for the Cardinals to answer so many of the questions that have swirled, whether it be about bullpen use, bullpen availability, or late games like this most recent loss to the to the Dodgers, is the most direct route, in your opinion, addressing the starting rotation? Or is is there another way? I think it's I think it's rotation. And I think you lean into the fact that helping your rotation helps this bullpen, and you also embrace the fact that you've got a manager and a staff now that are really willing to get weird in the bullpen. Um, you've got Hicks, who's okay and experienced now, being an opener. You can get super weird if you have the right guys rested and healthy in your bullpen. So, I, I to me, I, I think it's I think it's rotation with a mindset of a starter. Maybe he doesn't have to be your best starter, but a starter that you feel pretty good about giving the ball in a in a in a playoff start. What's the performance to you that? And that's that, part of the reason I go to to bat for Madison Bumgarner because mm-hmm. I wouldn't think twice about giving Madison Bumgarner the ball in a playoff start. Mm-hmm. I might not have him start my first game, but I sure as hell would rather give him the ball if he's healthy than some guy who's never been there before. Like, I mean, that's an interesting way to go about. Like, would would Bieber be one that you would go at? Man, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But with Lopez from Marlins, you'd go, Well, we don't know. <laughs> no, I mean but I don't think they I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm setting the bar too low. I, I I don't think they would trade what it would take to get him. Like what does it take to get him? Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, they might be in Ale- that if if Alec Burleson gets you that dude, then yeah. yeah. Sign me up. Well it might be what if Harrison Bader gets you that dude? I mean I would do that, yes. I don't think the Cardinals would do that. Yeah, I mean, they've had their chance to turn Harrison Bader or Tyler O'Neill into a starting pitcher before. They haven't. That was a few years ago where control was more present. That was also a few years ago before they knew Dylan Carlson could play center field like this. I mean, so do you start connecting the dots? For reasons that Bader is expendable, then they're getting it with what Dylan Carlson is doing defensively in center field right now. Interesting, yeah. I think 
this is just my theory. I, I think that they view, and I, I made the case earlier, so I, I see what the point is that he does a lot of things that they like this team to be able to do, and I think they feel like they're at their best when he's healthy and playing well. Vader. Yes, yeah. and I think they view him as kind of a ignition switch in some ways, and, and I think we, I think you can see how they, how they can make that case. Um, so they also, and we know they factor this into the equation, so let's not ignore it. They know that fans love the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I mean, they, they, they value that stuff. They do. There was a reason that Harrison Bader was the player who debuted the. You know the, the new the blue, blue uniforms, yeah. and that was when he hadn't done anything. Yeah. So I, I think well, they, he was willing to. That was part well, of yeah, it too. But but they 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 know that their fans love him, and they're yeah. they're, they're they don't like trading those guys. What do you? What stands out? What performance stands out from the first half? Oh, um, I, I was caught off guard because sorry. like all of a sudden on the screen it's Adam Wainwright looking down, not and I, I guess it's go. Oh, and there's there's. So we're watching a commercial, and it's Molina and Wainwright. Remember when those two were together? They'll be they'll be back soon. Yadi read first week that, of August. Yadi read that column I wrote about how he needs to come back, and he got on the next flight. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, most impressive performances of the first half. Um, well, that Paul Goldschmidt would would fit into that category pretty pretty well. I've been very impressed with the young guys, um, the young hitters. You know, it's it's been cool to see that first wave of these who are you saying is young gorman donovan yeah Yeah, the rookies Uh, young in terms of haven't been here and haven't done that um without those guys this team's in big trouble yeah and they just come up and they're confident and they're gonna go through highs and lows but they but they feel like they belong and this team's done a good job of of bringing them in but to me goldschmidt um i knew knew he was a hell of a player I didn't think he was going to fall off a cliff production-wise because of how he plays and how he takes care of himself, and some guys are built to last. But I, I, I didn't think we would see perhaps the MVP season he could not get in Arizona here. Did I, you not read my story about the new bat that he's using? Did you not? I did. I was no. there when you wrote it, actually. No. I was like, dude, you're writing an opus about a bat handle. Remember? Do you not remember the fight that we had in the – I vivid, okay, now we're gonna. I vividly remember the discussion that we had in the damn media room about what to call it. Yeah, and you were googling like you were like, is it a pocky puck? Is it a? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had all kind. Is it a? Is it? Does a, it compare to a piano we, leg? We, just, we described it as a shake weight, but then we thought people would make fun of that because the shake weights are so weird. Yeah. So yeah, I vividly remember it. Um, but I think. It's been awesome. It's always fun to watch him play because he can make like first base. Turn. He can. He, he's like a you know an artist there defensively, and he runs the. He just does everything so well. But to see him on this level is. I, I did not think we would see that from him. I think it's cool to see talk about trickle down the way that he makes everybody around him want to be more like him. Not in terms of anything other than baseball. Mm. Like Tommy Edmond talks about, I've watched how he prepares for games and kind of post games in terms of taking care of his body, and I've learned from that. I mean, you've talked to – every guy in there will tell you that they have picked up something by watching him, and it's the cliche, but it's true, is like when the when the guy on your team who's the best guy works the hardest, mm-hmm. no one else has an excuse. And, I mean, he doesn't – Paul Goldschmidt would never say that about himself, but if you watch and you're on the scene, you see it. Yeah. And that's – pretty cool to see so I'd, I'd say goldschmidt far and away for me one of the i mean i agree with you where you're coming around. the one thing like the the 
overshadowed thing of the first half that stands out to me is how they began the year thinking that they could build Jordan Hicks into a starter and removed him from the bullpen to do so, and that didn't work. But now at the All-Star break, they removed Palante, a rookie, from the bullpen and worked him on the job into being a starter. And some of the things he's done in that role, look, they're a better bullpen with him out there, but they don't get through this stretch without him becoming a starter on the job. And that that was designed for someone else to do. And yet he's got a good enough pitch that really wasn't on the radar you know, a year ago at this time and he has a good enough kind of approach and kind of just like a calmness about him that he has I mean think about the prospects he has leapfrogged to be in that rotation and the players that he has leapfrogged that they've given opportunity after opportunity you go back to spring training when it was Jordan Hicks, Drew Verhagen and Aaron Brooks vying, vying for that fifth spot with Libertor and Zach Thompson like kind of in the wings and the talk of, well, they need to go add somebody. Palante was not in the conversation and now he's in the rotation. I find that, I find what he's done like should not be overshadowed while well, all the young hitters, all the rookie hitters, but this is a guy who's still a rookie too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, he was a guy who you left camp going, man, keep put a note by that guy. He yeah. You might see him in the bullpen oh, yeah. halfway through the season or the we second saw half. We <laughs> saw him work through those. I mean, you, you saw that one day where it was like, this is his audition to right. be on there. Right. You know, it was him and Walsh, and it was like, man, they can't do anything with him. They can't figure it out. And those hitters, they went up there, you know, and like kind of encouraged, like, hey, look, not, you know, show what he can, show if he can handle this major league stuff. Show him a major league at bat. Just, just see if he can contend. And they had no answer for him, and he made the team. What, uh, what to use? Biggest question going into the second half: Are they going to get? Are they going to get the help that they need? Um, I mean, I, I said it. I think probably when we were doing this down at spring, like this is to me is the season of the front office. Um, people can get mad at the Ali Ali Marmol, first year manager. I think he's doing a pretty good job. I, I think a lot of these guys on the on their team are playing up to their capabilities. Um, they're clearly some guys gassed now. Um, they've got to get Molina back. I think that's important to their team. But they've they've got the pieces, if healthy, to be a team that, that could be good. If they get the right moves, they could be better than that. And I think it's time for them to be better than good. Um, I think that th- this fan base is m- probably more understanding and appreciative now than perhaps ever before when it comes to having a better feel for the way Cardinals baseball works for, with this regime in terms of seeing the – we talk sometimes about the iceberg, like the Cardinals – Some a lot of Cardinals fans see the tip above the water and the organization sees the everything. I think because there's more coverage in the minor leagues and there's a better understanding of prospects, they've seen more prospects this year. Yeah. They've seen Sandy Alcantara turn into Max Scherzer Jr. for the Marlins. Like there's a better understanding now of like, wait, we don't just always want to give these young guys away. That being said, they're hungry for – meaningful postseasons and in an expanded postseason getting in means less than it ever has before um it's time to it's time to to get after it and i think they feel that way and i think the front office has to to act they've got to find ways to help this team whether it's you know trading the alec burleson or or you know packaging de young and taking on money or you know 
picking up a guy that maybe is in the rotation. Get creative because while you don't want to give up your, your darlings and your prospects, you've got other ways to get better. And you've got a fan base that has flooded this ballpark and bought all kinds of tickets for Albert Palooza and was promised from day one. Remember the promises. This isn't just about nostalgia. This isn't just about a this goodbye. This is a tone season. This is, yeah. So I, I think that's my biggest question right now at the halfway point. Mine is whether or not the Cardinals put themselves in a position where Nolan Arenado has any doubts. Ooh. Didn't you say that because the Dodgers are in town? Nope. I did not. Because if he's surrounded by the future and sees the Cardinals lean that way, when they do have an opportunity to win the division, they do. They have shown that they have talent that with some kind of support structure. That's all. I mean, yes, we spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about adding a pretty significant member to the rotation. But that's... It. Think of how one move radically changes the team. I mean, significantly changes the team. And if the Cardinals say, well, that was too pricey, or gosh, the deadline was really hard and tricky, it was complex, and those words start to echo, and August starts to get hot, and the division starts to get out of reach, and you start to wonder, like, is this the team that has the gumption to maybe take a little bit away from the future, Sandy Alcantara, for the now, Marcelo Zuna of pitching, you know, cleanup hitter of pitching, fine, whatever. You know what I mean. Um, trade for Sandy? Yeah, they should trade for Sandy. Awesome. That would be great. That would be that would that would make, see how much that would change this team. But I want to uh, do the Cardinals do everything they can. So that the second and final time that Nolan Arenado, who's been superb and has been a lot of what they want, and they've gotten to know and they think he's a fit, you know, where it's not a question for him. Or do they get to the point where they're like, nah, he's going to stick around. Nah, we'll take this for granted. Just like they, like you said, take packed houses for granted, or take the future for granted, or take you know that this prospect, this is the one that's going to work. This is the starting pitching prospect. This is the one. This is the one that's going to work. This is the time. This is the start where it works. Do they do they stop taking stuff like that for granted, and do they act so that it's not a question? We talked, and fans understandably want to see Wainwright and Yachty and Albert get the best shot to go out right. in a good way. Great point. More significant in terms of, of the ticking clock that never stops. I mean, are you going to get um, a better year from Paul Goldschmidt than this one? Yes. Uh, good, fair question. Are you going to get a better combined year from your corner infielders than this one? No. You know, I mean, I, probably not. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt has never won a National League MVP award before. You're gonna have the stars align where you have a roster like this one that is so clearly screaming for one thing to change, so that all the other things can do their part as best possible, and you have a coaching staff willing to be creative to make that happen. You know, I don't know. I mean. You know they are not an all-in team. They never have been. And they're not going and, to be. And you know what? But that's that's what just what I was be. just going to say. <laughs> that, that's part of this. Yeah. Really, they don't need to be. They they don't need to be. They 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 can make a trade like they have in the past 
when they had a clear need. They've traded for Holiday in the middle of the season. Changed the look of that lineup. It's been a long time since they made a trade like that. But you know what? This team and you know what? This National League, you, you can play with the the best of the best in this league without having to tax and stretch and do radical origami with your roster like they did in the first game against the Dodgers to pull it off. You can just go toe-to-toe with them and do okay. Yeah, I mean, they're showing that in this yeah. series. Um, it's, it's They're not that far away. They are going to get healthier, and don't let that be it. Right. You know, because they're still... There's still there's still one more move left to be made, and and we'll we'll see if it if it comes. But you know, to me, it's it's not so much as like putting. I feel like in times of the past, we've had probably a million of these conversations. Like, I feel like us like trying to talk them into. Yeah, this it. is like 2019. This is like I think this is like I think the guys who are wondering are not us anymore. The, the trade I mean, deadline never changes. Only our hairline. <laughs> hey, speak for yourself. No, mine's disappearing. I've lost some during this podcast. Um, <laughs> these these are the conversations that Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, maybe they're not having them when they're on the team playing together, but you know they're thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Like, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright are going, like, we, what got, do we, got? we got something here. We got something here. Yeah. You know, Ali Marmol went on a impassioned speech pretty close to the trade deadline about – how he views the postseason, and it was a direct rebuttal to what we hear oftentimes after the Cardinals have gotten bounced from a wild card game yep. or a wild card series about how to measure a season and how complicated and tough the playoffs are and where you can have a good season that doesn't end the way you want it to. And the manager's view pointedly and candidly and at a very appropriate time near the trade deadline was about let's get back to getting back to trying to win championships. Yep. And that's missing. It was very pointed. And I think he was speaking for the guys in his clubhouse who feel like they got something and they, they want to see it get its full its full run. Happy All Star break. Ben, it's good to see you. Good to chat with you. Enjoy. Nice to have you back on the podcast. Always a pleasure. Enjoy LA. Hollywood. Yes. Talk to folks at uh, spring training. That's when I'll be on again next. No, that's not oh, no, true. It'll be, it'll be when the for the for the postseason. The Cardinals are going right. It's going to be the, the tra- Cardinals will be in the postseason. I think every team makes it now. Oh yeah. Or no wait, is that that's something that could change on the go? What's the higher amount? Of, what's the higher percentage? The amount of teams in the postseason or the amount of Royals who are vaccinated? Oh boy. <laughs> Man, I did not expect you to. Huh. That is the kind of incisive coverage and thought-provoking writing you can find at stltoday.com in all of Ben Fredrickson's columns. He's got a whole slew of Cardinals coverage coming out. So do we all as the break arrives. Rick Hummel, Hall of Fame baseball writer, and I will be in Los Angeles. Um, I'll be there covering the Futures game, the draft, the Home Run Derby, with which Albert Pujols will be a part of, which we didn't even talk about. Um, and then, the, of course, the All-Star game, which I've... I've I've made my spiel before. It's my favorite event to cover. It's one of the, I just adore it, and I hope it is always great. I hope it's always a showcase of the greatest talent, whether it's the 
greatest talent of today or the you know honoring talent from the past i think it's awesome and you can find all of that coverage there the best podcast in baseball is available wherever you get your podcast i know you want to say something i'm going to finish this up real quick the best podcast in baseball is brought to you by closet by design find it on itunes rate and review it tell me when i should have ben Fredrickson back that's right just just put the all the replies Never. tell me when he should come back if he should come back for the trade deadline if he should come back sometime in august if he should come back for the postseason if he should come back in spring or 2025 just let me know i just want to end on a word of encouragement for all the people out there who are trying and it's been a hard time for a lot of people and you sometimes you just think i know i feel this way i can just never do anything right when you feel like that just remember rob manfred did something right the guy who messes everything up did something right and put albert pujols in the all-star game and he'll be in the home run derby so shout out to commissioner manfred just remember it's never too late to do the right thing like end this podcast or just anything right in general it's never too late to do something right next episode i'm going to do that thanks for listening everybody talk to you soon